All right, here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I am Jeremy Jackson, host of the Sports Medicine Broadcast, and today we're talking about recovery because Valerie uh, presented that on that in San Antonio, and I've got some questions, and Mike was just watching it, and so I'm sure he's got some questions too. Mike Hopper is joining us because he's got some questions about Kelvy, and so we just kind of wanted to get all of that out there and see what that looks like in the secondary setting. So this is actually sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Valerie. <clears throat> So sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, and sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Valerie, and that'll have a way to get a hold of her and connect with her and Mike uh, at the end there. So again, I'm Jeremy Jackson, and we're talking about recovery and Kelvy. So Valerie and Mike, welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast. Morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. So as we're talking about recovery, I do want to give a shout out to Blake. He recently reached out. He is a foster parent. Him and his wife are recovering because they had a set of kids for nearly a year and they were returned home. So they were taken, you know, the, the as foster parents, sometimes you plan to adopt. Sometimes you just want to foster. Well, they were planning to adopt and those kids were removed. Uh, and, you know, that's always the goal of foster care. But just my heart goes out to you, Blake, you and your wife, as you're recovering from the loss of losing those kids that you were hoping to be make part of your forever family. So Blake, thanks for reaching out and sharing your story with me as an athletic trainer and as a foster parent. <clears throat> so just recently in San Antonio in January, Valerie, you presented about recovery. And one of the big things that you told me was there isn't like a, a set plan, right? So you, so we were talking and you're like, well, you know, it'd be nice if I could said, okay, well just grab the Theragun or just grab the Compex and put that on everybody and it works all day, every day. But you said there isn't, right? And then one of the things that I really found interesting was you're like, at the beginning of the year, I don't want to use the recovery tools with my athletes because I want them to not necessarily suffer, but I want them to feel the soreness, feel the pain. So let's talk about that just a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, thanks for not using my whole name on the uh, title of the of the podcast. Appreciate that. Too many characters. Um, so yeah, so I, I think, you know, recovery has kind of become a really big like coin term and everyone's throwing it around right now. And um, it, it's made it seem like it's this magic pill or this magic button that you can just hit and you know, poof, everyone feels great. And it's just not simply that way. Um, you know, if you just look at your athletes, I mean, thinking about the secondary setting, um, my, my husband is also a high school athletic trainer and I go in and visit him and you have 14 year olds that have barely gone through puberty to 18 year olds that look like they're 40. How can you expect them to, to recover the same way when their bodies don't even look the same way, when they're in different stages of of you know hormone rushes and different stages of, of muscular and skeletal development how could we ever assume that that you can just treat them all the same way um you know we even like to have protocols for ankle sprains and muscle strains but let's be honest even a protocol has to be adjusted when certain injuries don't present the same way or or um you know there's a nuance to the the student or the athlete situation so I really think we have to take recovery like we do with other things um, and, and add a personal spin. So to your point about the summer, so um, I was a collegiate athletic trainer for, for 18 years. And um, so I had a, a little bonus time, we'll call it, with them in the summer and that they would arrive to me in June. Um, and so we had the summer workouts that were mostly with strength and conditioning. There was some on-court time and they would get sore. We were, we were lifting heavy. We were in that training phase of, of trying to get bigger, trying to get stronger. 
Um, and so I think the biggest thing that that I try to relate to them is that this is the time of the year. This is literally part of the training cycle where we are trying to break things down to rebuild them. So let's take this time when you don't have to perform at 100%. It is not the national championship. We are not playing on ESPN tomorrow. Let's take this time to start to figure out how your body feels and start to track and trend it to understand what does work for you. I'm not going to throw the kitchen sink at you in June because I need to reserve some of those things when it is March and we're heading into March Madness and we're playing, you know, three games in three days on TV and, and the, the energy and your nervous system and your fatigue and all the things. I need to have some reserves that I can throw at you then to help you feel your best when your performance is expected. Um, so I, I think finding those times for those athletes and letting them have some time to kind of figure out how their body feels. Again, I don't want them to suffer. Um, if someone's injured, obviously we're gonna take care of them and, and that's a very different story. But I think the idea of just general soreness, getting them to understand what that means. If if you had a really good night's sleep, did you wake up the next morning feeling better? So I think it's some discovery time as well as um, kind of banking some of those um, bonus things that I can do uh, for later in the season when they really need it. All right, and then obviously, anytime we talk about recovery, you mentioned over and over again the the sleep and the hydration and the, and the food. And just yesterday, I talked with uh, Meredith Sorensen about you know food and recovering from runs as a you know forty year old man, that kind of thing. And so, <clears throat> again, anytime we talk about recovery, and that goes for us as adults as well. You know, we need the sleep, we need the the hydration, we need the the food. And so, <clears throat> I'm just thinking. I have five kids uh, last night. I didn't get to sleep until like 1130 and that's kind of like a consistent thing, but then I have to get up at six so that I can eat breakfast and get to work. And I'm just, I, I'm always tired. So talk a little bit more about the recovery process and the sleep. And you said there was something about a magic pill in there too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, it's funny you say that, Jerry, because I, you know, sleeping in a hotel bed last night, woke up this morning, is just not quite right. And, you know, age is definitely starting to hit me a little bit more. And um, so I think you're right. And, and to that point, I think the idea of taking care of our bodies holistically and the idea of of feeding it and fueling it and hydrating it and then letting it rest and repair it has kind of gotten lost in this age of here's a toy that you can you know use and it'll it'll make you feel better um and so i think kind of getting back to the basics was really my point there is that if you're not creating that environment for the body to heal um i don't know what you're gonna have that that's gonna make it better right like if you're you're operating on three hours of sleep every night and, you know, not eating well. I mean, you have five kids. There's some, um, you know, there's there's some parts in there, but thinking about us as athletic trainers, um, you know, getting to school really early and then you have games all night, then you drive home and kind of get amped up and it's kind of tough to dial back down and, and get into that mode. So um, I was actually just having a great talk with some of my colleagues about the idea of sleep and, and sleep hygiene. And one of the things we talked about is, can you look at your week? Um, you know, I was once taught everybody has the same 168 hours in their week. How are you spending it? How are you spending that bank account? We all start the week off with the same bank account. How are you spending it? Um, and where can you make those investments? So for a student athlete, again, if they have that opportunity to kind of 
have some time to figure out what works best for them. Um, if you know you have a really big game Friday, is Thursday night the night that you really need to prioritize and maybe get your homework done a little bit earlier in the week? Or, um, you know, maybe that's the night that, um, you know, some people love melatonin or um, magnesium, you know, also helps with sleep. Is that a night where, you know, you kind of wind down a little bit early, take that hot shower, climb into your comfy PJs to get that really good night's sleep Thursday so, because you know you have to perform at your best on Friday. Um, we talked to them before, you know, the star test and all of those other things about, did you eat a good breakfast? Did you, you know, get your good night's sleep? It's the same thing for big performances. We're asking our bodies to do a lot and perform at a high level. So have we given them that preparation? Um, you know, again, if, if you're not getting a good night's sleep, then it's almost like the hydration and the fuel become even more important, right? Now we really got to focus in on hydration. We really got to make sure we have great fuel because our body's not running as effectively as it could. Um, you know, you think about your car, if you're, you know, you haven't had your oil changed in a while and, you know, your, your car's been, you know, driving, you know, 12 hours a day, we probably need to put some better gas in it or, you know, we, we need to do some maintenance on it. Um, and so I think it's it's really more of a holistic approach in that way. And, and you know when you feel good. And again, letting those athletes kind of have some experimental time, what meals make you feel good, how much water a day is where you get to that nice, nice balance of feeling good and not having to go to the bathroom in between every class period. Um, and then sleep, again, are there nights where maybe you can get a little bit more? There are some sacrifices sometimes. Maybe that's not going you know, to, you know, to the party on Friday night because you have the game on Saturday. So figuring out what that really looks like in terms of the magic pill, um, you know, it, it really is taking care of your body. There are, again, some things like magnesium and some supplements that really um, can help. Again, talking with a pediatrician, talking with a physician, um, you know, about what that might look like for you, but really um, getting a good night's sleep really does allow your body to take the time to repair um, it allows the body to kind of go through its natural systems. It allows the brain to rest, um, which I think is another thing we're so on all the time. You know, we were just joking about screen time and all those things. Man, we are so stimulated during the day. Sleep is the only time that your brain gets to rest. So if you want it to be on the next day and remember plays and be able to react and do all of those things, you got to give it some time to recoup. Um, and so I think really emphasizing that with athletes, with their parents, about how you're investing all this money in them playing a sport, you got to invest the time and resources in their ability to, to have the environment for their body to be its best. Yeah, you know, we're we're winding down here. We start um, we start playoffs in two weeks for, for basketball and soccer's right behind it in caps. And I actually just got an email from from our basketball coach, you know, and he basically told them, told the parents, don't take them to extra sessions. Don't take them to the AAU stuff. Don't, you know, we the next three weeks, he goes, we practice six days a week. We're in the weight room. We're doing enough, you know, and getting kids to understand that getting parents to understand that um I, I mean i think we all know is hard enough as it is and um I, I mentioned it the other day on social media the the best practice is the getting the sleep the getting the food the getting the, the hydration it's super super important but we have i think we have to understand and i think too many of us especially at the secondary school level don't understand more of the practical stuff the, the toys right um, and there's a balance. I, I think there's certainly a balance, you know. Um, but I mean, our kids, like, we're at a college preparatory school here. Our kids are gonna go to college. 
whether they're going to play athletics in college or not, they're going to go to college. And so we got kids, they tell us all the time, and I just shake my head because they're talking about homework at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I ain't up at 3 a.m., I can tell you that much. And if I am, it's because I'm getting old and going to the bathroom, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, and so it's, I mean, I, and I never did that. I, as a high school student, 3 a.m., forget about it because I knew my body couldn't do that. If I was up past midnight as a high school kid, I was sick the next three days, you know, but it's just crazy sometimes. All right. So you guys watch The Office um, or, you know, anybody listening, if you, if you watch The Office, you probably know Michael Scott and he would say something like, explain this to me like I'm five because he's just almost always clueless. And so you talked about the Theragun and the co-contraction and, you know, you talked about really... Um, using that using those in combination so in the words of michael scott explain that to me like i'm five (laughs) well jeremy (laughs) (laughs) um so um what i would tell my athletes is look your muscles are tired they're fatigued or uh, we have an issue with some things just not firing right so they're not turning on when we need them to turn on or in the order that we need them to turn on so if i can't get that internal piece to work, I'm going to use some external stimuli to help that work and to help you feel it work. Um, So uh, the main one that I used it on was for hip extension. So when they're laying on their belly, there's, there's, (laughs) was that the good kindergarten term? So, uh, so being able to kind of lift their leg, but actually get the firing pattern, right? We really want it to be hamstring glute opposite erector spinae, same side erector spinae. So I saw a lot of people go into back extension instead of actually going into hip extension. So I'm going to use any percussion instrument, whatever brand or wherever you get it from. um, And I'm going to actually go along those muscles and actually have them co-contract with it. So I'm going to use an external stimulus. I'm going to use something outside the body to help those muscles start figure out how and when to turn on until they can do it on their own. Um, This is not a 30 minute treatment. This was not something that I was gonna spend a ton of time on. It was just real quick, kind of getting them to um, feel something different and um, start to, again, figure out their body. Unbelievable when they feel for the first time that it wasn't their hip that was moving, it was their back that was moving. Um, You can do this again on on some other things, Um, you know, the traps, like the upper trap, People love to use their upper traps for everything instead of actually using like their mid and lower trap to like shoulder retract. Um, and so again, using it um, posteriorly and kind of going up and down that muscular to get it to fire in the appropriate timing. You'd be amazed at some athletes when they realize that your shoulders aren't supposed to come up to your ears with every movement um, and that there's much bigger muscles in the back, right? So um, giving them a visual stimuli of showing them the anatomy and then giving them a physical stimulus um, of the percussion instrument and then letting them feel that and see that in a mirror. Um, It was just a really great combination. Um, So to your five-year-old self, getting something to turn on inside your body because I've, I've poked it and I've prodded it and I've annoyed it, um, with something from outside your body. All right. Uh, really, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's that simple. It's like, okay, well, you know, just even just something as simple as, all right, well, we need you to do a quad set. Okay, well, let's run this along the VMO. Okay, boom. Now it's, okay, now I have an idea. This is the muscle that should be working. Is that what should be working? So just as sim- something as simple as that. And then 
you can work into all the different applications of that as well. And, it, and even if you don't have a percussion instrument, you can still use your fingers. You can you can tap, you can rub, um, you know, I think that gets a little tougher because then you really you want to kind of start like, 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 come on, <laughs> turn on. Um, so that's why I think the percussion instrument just um, it, it gives such a high level stimulus that it's not really something you can create. Um, but early onset um, ACL rehab, absolutely tapping on that VMO while you're trying to get them to contract, that external stimulus does really amazing things. Okay, so let's go to Kelvy and then we'll come back and talk some more about the recovery or questions that Mike might have had. So yeah. um, in your presentation, you talk about the inflammatory response and how we have to have it, right? And yeah, you know, I always talk about like, that's the way that God designed us. If there's pain, it's because God created us this way to know that there's something wrong. You shouldn't normally have pain. It, it's an indicator that something is wrong. So let's try and fix it. And, you know, just recently I had a girl that, oh, my calf hurts. Okay, well, let's try using the golf ball on your arch. Man, Jackson, as soon as I did that, the, the calf pain went away. Oh, Okay. Right, cool. So it's it's not just this, but yeah, let's continue to work the whole system and go from there. So talk a little bit more about the inflammatory response, and then uh, you know I did a podcast a couple of years ago with Kelby when they're just brand new to the market when we were at uh, PSAT's conference in Orlando. So kind of lead the in inflammation into the Kelby and how that works. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think um, in today's society, we don't want anything to be wrong ever right? It's like, oh gosh, I had a twinge. I need to fix it. And you're so right. That's how God made us. He made these amazing systems that, that fire and flow and, and just our bodies are really just miracles. Um, so the inflammatory process, I think has gotten kind of a negative connotation because we hear inflammation and we assume that, you know, there's this huge effusion all the time. The inflammatory process is, is really our carrier system. Um, anytime there's any sort of damage, um, there's going to be an inflammatory response. There's going to be a cascade that occurs. So thinking about after lifting weights or after um, an intense workout, the, there's going to be breakdown. So the body's response is inflammatory. It's going to send a cascade of basically all the healing elements that we need um, in order to you know, break down, repair, and then remove that waste um, through our lymphatic system. And so I think, again, it gets a bad rap and we kind of have to go back to some of our classes that we've all long forgotten about because we were up at 3 a.m., Mike. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, kind of thinking about what that response is, we need all of that good stuff coming. Um, the problem is when our bodies aren't at their best or they're not operating efficiently um, or, you know, maybe we're, we're not doing a great job of the waste removal. Um, maybe we um, aren't doing a great job of getting those muscle pumps moving that allow for that lymphatic system to work its most efficiently or effectively. Or maybe there's a lot of trauma in the area and so there's a huge inflammatory response. So again, I think we have to kind of start separating that into the silo of, is it a normal inflammatory response because it's what the body needs to do to have repair? Or is there a trauma? Is there an injury? Is it post-surgical, um, a contusion? I think we forget like, you know, bruises, the reason what you see on the surface, there's a lot that's occurring down below that for the body to repair all of these broken vessels and the tissue damage and all of that. So when you have something with an effusion or you have something that's warm and not, um, you know, not kind of coming back to normal, not coming back to homeostasis um, in an appropriate amount of time, we do have tools and we do have things that help assist that. 
Um, pain is great, right? Pain is another normal response that we need to know. But again, sometimes those sensors just get stuck on. Sometimes those wires are misfiring um, and and they're, um, they're on more than they need to be, or it's laid down a pathway that even though there's not a response, uh, or so there's not a stimulus, we still have a re response. Um, you see that in like an amputee where they have like a phantom pain. There's not a limb there, yet they're still having pain. Well, that's because we've laid down some pathways. So we have to kind of identify where on the spectrum um, that is, and then what interventions can we use to help assist with that. Um, so that's to the kind of inflammatory response. And again, I think that's individual, that's kind of understanding um, what someone's normal response is to something. Um, I had one athlete, she just had her lower legs, just they had a lot going on and she would just retain fluid. Like she, she had a surgery when she was in high school and she just really retained fluid. So we started coming up with kind of our programming and our systems for that. And she definitely was a compression sock person. She definitely was wearing her recovery tights. Um, we did a lot of dry needling. Um, we did a lot of manual muscle. We did a lot of mobility work because we knew we had to keep things moving in there for her to feel better and to kind of help, you know, those distal, um, you know, you know, uh, anatomies have a little bit of an advantage, especially when you're, you know, over six feet tall, that's a long way uh, for the body to send stuff. Um, so again, helping to find interventions that can assist with that. Um, we're not going to stop it, but how can we assist the body in, in having um, its most efficient system? Um, so to your point about Kelby, um, I started working with Kelby about two years ago as the clinical product manager. Um, so where you saw it a few years ago to where it is now is completely different. Um, we're really proud of that because it's a technology. Um, so I, I think a lot of our traditional modalities, um, especially when it comes to you know cryo and thermal therapy, it's some form of water or solution. So we're either cooling water or solution or we're heating water or solution. So there's some state trait changes there, right? Ice melts and heat packs evaporate because of environmentals. So the idea of using a digital technology, semiconductor technology is we can actually hit a temperature and maintain that um, for a longer period of time. So we're actually safety rated for 24 hours of continuous use because we can hit an exact temperature, measure it at the skin contact point through a digital thermometer, um, and then maintain that over the course of time. So what does that mean um, in terms of injury recovery? Well, we know what cooling is really good for, and the evidence backs up that cooling is great for pain mitigation. What the evidence starts to get a little kind of gray on is what it does for inflammation, what it does for kind of cellular metabolism. And again, a lot of that is because the traditional modalities that we've used, you have a temperature change. When you apply an ice pack, it immediately starts having a temperature change because you're applying it on warm skin. Um, so some of our research and some of the things we've been able to do um, with some of our internal modeling and, and in our own labs, um, we're starting to validate in some third party labs, but the idea of actually getting the cooling to penetrate down deeper into the tissue to slow down some of that crazy muscle metabolism that happens after trauma. Again, not talking about kind of that general recovery on the inflammation, but when we have the trauma, when we have post-op and that knee or that shoulder or whatever joint or muscle it is, is angry. There's a lot going on. There's there's bleeding, there's inflammation, there's the pain sensors going crazy. How can we kind of mitigate that? On the warm end, when we're doing thermal therapy, we know increasing blood flow, there's there's a warmth that happens. Um, you know, people use the rubber band scenario or whatever analogy you like to use. 
So how can we accelerate that but maintain a safe level of warmth? Um, we're also looking at some other ways. We know there's a psychological benefit of heat, right? Um, we know that when you put something warm on, it kind of feels cozy, kind of start to relax. So could we um, potentially use a low level heat in a subacute phase? So after an ACL injury, we know those hamstrings guard. Well, could we put some low level heat on the hamstrings to allow those relax because that might help with our range of motion? And I'm still a full believer that movement is medicine. So how can we create a better environment for the body to want to move, right? How can we either decrease pain or um, increase blood flow so that the body wants to move, right? This is more preparation for all of those other things that we're doing, not the, the end all be all magic here. All right. Okay, so um, I'll jump in here real quick. So talking about that technology, um, so yeah, so we, we've used Game Ready here for over 10 years, right? I've been here, I've been here for eight. They were here when I got here. Um, so that's water, right? Nice. Um, uh, Jeremy may be able to tell us Thermax, I believe, still uses water. Is that correct? I'm not real familiar with that product, but that's, so you're talking no water whatsoever in the Kelby unit? So there is water that helps cool the elements, but doesn't contribute okay. to the treatment, right? So liken it to like the radiator in your car or the okay. Freon in your refrigerator. It's helping to cool the, the technology, not actually contribute to the treatment itself. Okay. Interesting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... Trust me, as, as an athletic trainer who does not understand cars or refrigerators, I have learned so much. Um, but so what I, I think is interesting about that, Mike, is, is part of that is the nuance of treating based on the skin temperature versus treating based on the temperature in the box. So you're cooling a solution to a certain temperature, and then that is passing on to the patient versus our technology is actually reading what's happening on the patient and then making those micro adjustments to make sure that that treatment maintains over time. That's where the nuance is and that's really where we want the evidence to back up why that matters, right? What we know in theory and what some of the evidence says is that if we can maintain, then the body's not having to make adjustments. So the body kind of gets into a state where it knows it's cooled, but it's not so cold that we're having to vasoconstrict um, because it's so cold that the body's having an adverse um, reaction to the cooling. So now we get that better penetration into the tissue, which is where we know that we can get some changes with that cellular metabolism, um, especially again, when we're talking about more of the trauma stuff. Gotcha. So, so what you, you said that you're rated for 24 hours, is that correct? Mm -hmm. So what, what is a normal treatment that, that, athletic trainers are using it for right like what like what treatment time i guess is what i'm asking right so that's one of the other things right i ask athletic trainers all the time how long do you ice for usual response 10 minutes 15 minutes right it's like the the shoulder shrug like, uh, right because we don't really have a ton of great treatment parameters one of the reasons we usually don't go longer than 15 minutes is because we know there's a risk of a non-freezing injury right we, we know that that there's kind of that time point where you can start to have a negative effect, especially in some more sensitive areas of the body. Um, you know, things about like the perineal or the, you know, um, the ulnar nerve. Right. So one of the things that we want to do is actually create the evidence that gives you treatment parameters. So we did a really small um, study just looking at 
how long it took different modalities to get to numbing, which is about 12C. We found an ice pack took about 10 minutes. Um, a, a frozen pack took about 11 minutes. Um, and our Kelby was actually coming in at like eight to nine minutes. The difference was that the subject didn't know that they had gotten to numbing because they didn't go through the stages of numbness, right? So they didn't have the, the pain and the tingling um, that you normally have when something is so cold. Um, so that was something that kind of made me go, huh? So if I'm doing cryokinetics, maybe I'm gonna put a Kelvy on someone for eight minutes, get them to a phase where they don't have pain, take them to go move for 10 minutes, come back, do another round of eight minutes and have another session. So now I've created a treatment protocol based on my goal, right? If my goal is pain-free movement, now I know that I need to cool for eight minutes. If I'm trying to get depth of penetration, if I'm trying to get deeper into that knee, um, that post-op knee or um, that bad quad contusion or you know the, the angry shoulder um, that's, that's just really inflamed and, and mad because of a long weekend of baseball, softball, whatever, Maybe now I need to get to the 20 minutes because now I know that's where I'm going to start penetrating deeper into that tissue. So that's what I'm really excited about is actually providing clinicians with kind of a playbook of, hey, if this, then this, because I don't really feel like we had that. We, we haven't really been given the tools to know how long a typical treatment is because we've just kind of been slapping stuff on, um, you know, and, and I hate to say, but I was guilty of that too, right? You're like, ah, just, just kind of go do this. But when we're really trying you know this isn't this isn't the like after practice after game like here's your thing and go this is that monday morning you got something going on you got a really big game friday you know you got basketball playoffs let's really take a deep dive into what we need to do in the plan for the week how can we start integrating heating cooling um and and really start using that the really interesting thing is with the contrast therapy so because we're digital we can actually switch between um, cryo and thermal therapy really quick. Our tiles actually switch in six seconds and the patient starts to feel it in about 15 seconds. That's where the research is just not good. <laughs> but subjectively, we all get the good feedback after contrast, right? You, you, throw, you throw them back and forth into a hot tub and a cold tub and people just feel better. No one, and I mean no one, is switching out an ice bag in a hot pack. That is just ridiculous. And I don't know one clinician on the face of this earth that has the time to do that. So let's, so let's go there. So normally we're asking them to switch back and forth between a tub, which again is water and normally just a lower extremity. Where's the research on how to use contrast on a shoulder? I haven't really found it. And I've done a lot of reading in my last two years on this. <laughs> and so, but subjectively, I have um, a college athletic trainer who is using contrast therapy on his pitchers after games, because obviously softball, like your pitcher's kind of your pitcher and there's there's not, not a huge bullpen waiting down there. Um, and, and she's loving it. Well, why? Well, that's what we're gonna try and figure out. What we think is, again, kind of that external stimulus of decreasing pain, but maintaining blood flow probably has something to do with that. And again, kind of that sensation uh, piece to it. Um, so excited to kind of figure that out. But it was funny when I asked clinicians, how long are your cycles for contrast? When you tell someone to go get in the tub, what do most people say? Three, two, five, five. Well, why? Because we operate in increments of 15 minutes in our head, 
or we operate like right we operate like by the like the big things on the clock that we can see <laughs> no one's ever like hey i want you to do this for seven and a half minutes right so i think it's really interesting because there's such and and pts like especially in the clinic setting everything is in 15 minute cycles because that's their billing right that's how they code things is in 15 minute cycles so i think so much of just our kind of traditional kind of culture in our space is doing things for these time blocks so i know that was a really long answer to your question but i think it dives into so many nuances of when you have something that now we can study a little bit differently we want to provide clinicians with kind of your best practices of hey if you're doing this here's some great treatment parameters of what you can do if you want this here's a better option because uh, i don't really feel like we're armed with that right now gotcha all right next question i have uh that i that i thought of as we're as we're sitting here um again because i didn't understand the technology so you're talking skin temp right and having that thermometer built into the uh into the wrap um so how would that work with like our post-op acl kid who has you know like i like the girl told me yesterday well i'm gonna have bandages on for three days i can't take off what do i do you know and and for us with our game ready because we're fortunate we have we have the resources to send game readies home with our kid post-op uh, we got a girl having a medial patella femoral ligament reconstruction tomorrow <laughs> You know, she's going to be wrapped up for three days and she goes, what do I do? I go, wrap it on over the top. She goes, I said, it'll actually be fine. So does that, does that differ at all with the Kelvy because of that? Yes. You can still, or? Right. So you can still absolutely use it. It's just not going to be as, um, it's not going to be as efficient and effective, just like anything, right? Penetrating through those wraps. Um, sure. So some of the success that I've had is actually talking with my doc, um, especially as athletic trainers, when we, when we know our physicians and have that relationship of, um, is it something they can apply post-op? Are they willing to put that on? Um, we have actually been really successful with that in the post-op space of getting them to apply that on maybe a thinner layer of bandage. Um, or is that something where maybe, you know, can check in with you? Um, or, uh, you know, I, I had the privilege of that in the college setting that my, you know, my docs really trusted me. So I was seeing them, you know, 24 hours post-op and checking bandages, removing things and getting a little bit closer to the skin and then, you know, rewrapping and uh, protecting the area. But to your point, I don't think there's really going to be any modality that does as well when you're putting it through, you know, layers of cotton, bandage, gauze, ace wrap, sure. all the things. Um, <laughs> so one of the things I've also told people is go up higher, right? Come more proximal. So actually apply it more up onto, you know, the, um, onto the quad, onto the hamstring, just to kind of help with, with some of the pain and blood flow. Um, okay. Again, is that evidence-based? No. Have I gotten some good subjective feedback? Yes. <laughs> it's one, it's one piece of that evidence-based pillar. We know that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I hang my hat on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. All right, so Val, do you have any high schools that are currently using it? And then um, I know, so like with Therabody, they have a small, medium, large recovery boot, right? And so is there different sizes? Cause, and if, if I remember correctly, when I saw Kelvy again, it was maybe five years ago, right? And mm -hmm. it, it's essentially a sleeve. And so mm -hmm. it, is there a way to treat something like the lumbar spine? Yes. Okay, so yes, we have high schools um, out in California where the company is based and then the great state of Texas. Um, I have a few high schools and I have some others that have it on their purchase list 
uh, for the 2022-2023 school year. Um, I have worked with some high schools on some different packages, um, doing some like refurb where we've had um, like one, a demo unit come back in, refurb and get that out. Um, just because our, our price point is a little bit higher um, than others, just because we do have technology built in. Um, so we're really paying for the technology. As my CEO says, um, we're, we're kind of like a Tesla. Um, for some people, it's too much technology, but for some people, it's spot on, and that's exactly what they want, and they're willing to, to pay for the, 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 you know, the bells and whistles that come with that. Um, so yes, absolutely have some high schools using it. And I think they're enjoying it because of the safety factor. So they're even, um, they're feeling uh, more confident if their aides are applying it um, because it's, it's kind of a no-fail um, setup. Um, there's also an app that you can pre-program different treatments into. So you can uh, push those to the device if you need to. So that's been really beneficial and I think doing well in the, the secondary school space. Um, and I've gotten good feedback. In fact, another school just purchased a second one. So I feel like that's a, a little validation there. Um, and then in terms of the wrap size, right now we are one size fits all. Um, I will tell you, I work with um, some professional dancers and I've worked with some gymnasts who are uh, under the five foot mark and our wraps fit them as much as they have fit um, NFL linemen. Uh, so we really do run a big span. Um, that's part of our customization piece is that each of the wraps has a lot of Velcro um, and we have, um, we have air pressure to fit. Very careful to say that uh, because uh, we did not do just all of the FDA paperwork that you have to say to, to call it medical grade compression, but we have the same millimeters of mercury as other devices. So you can actually use the air pressure to also help with fit, um, especially on some of those smaller frames, um, secondary setting, those those freshman girls and, um, you know. The just, cheerleaders? Yes, just tiny nuggets. <laughs> um, so yes, we are one size fits all as of right now um, and uh, bilateral. So you don't have to buy a right and a left, everything is, is bilateral. So I think that's really um, helpful in that scenario. And then yes, it is a wrap. Um, and right now we have four anatomical wraps. So we have the shoulder, we have the low back, we have the knee and then the lower leg ankle. Um, we are in development of a hip and an elbow. I'm really pumped about the elbow, especially because that medial elbow, I feel like has just been the nemesis of so many people, especially upper extremity sports. Um, so the fact that we could actually cool the elbow for longer than like 10 minutes is really exciting to me. Um, the wraps though, I will say, um, I've had people use them in different ways. So like the back wrap is, is kind of a, just a general wrap if you will it's, it's not exactly a square it's got a little bit of an oval shape to it but a lot of people use that on the hamstring use it on the quad athletic trainers were kind of macgyvers we're going to figure out different ways that you can use something um so even though it's off book uh from the company standpoint um i've watched some athletic trainers do some cool things with the different wraps and especially with the velcro system that you can really form and fit it to just different um shapes sizes and body types and I know you, you mentioned this, the, the technology and there's the skin temperature measurement. Um, <clears throat> when I saw it, it's basically like little tiles, mm -hmm. right? And so if you think about like the small bathroom tiles that you see on your, on your bathroom shower and you just kind of lay those across the, the leg, that's essentially each of those is a tile that heats and cools and, and measures. And that's, that's still accurate. That's still the way it is. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I love that. I love your tile analogy and I would liken it to that tile that's on the mesh that can form to different mm -hmm. things. You know, I, I show people all the time, they're really worried that it's, you know, an aluminum tile and then I roll it up and they're like, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then our tiles also have some different shapes. So we actually have convex and concave shapes to get around different anatomy. So around the patella, around the malleoli, we have different shapes knowing that, you know, you're not going to put a flat tile up against the malleoli. So we actually have like a con, uh, concave shaped tile so that it fits better around uh, that bony prominence. Awesome. So I look forward <laughs> to seeing it. Uh, yeah. You know, we, Val, you and know, I've talked privately a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those that uh, understanding the, the technology of it, it's not just another, um, not just another unit, right? You know, um, we talk about well, like with our with our parents and whatnot, we, we have the game ready units, like I said, and they talk about, well, when we have surgery, the doctor has the unit from Don Joy or the unit from Polar or, you know, whatever, all these different brands. And I go, yeah, I said, those are the cheap version of the game ready. Like, you know what I mean? And so, and so I think my original assumption was Kelvy was an alternative similar to that, right? Not knowing the, the technology behind it that drives everything about it. Um, because I did, I did look up the price the other day on the Collins website and was a little starstruck there and go, uh, especially after a sales rep told me I needed to look at it because game ready was getting more expensive. And I'm going, wait a second. <laughs> but like I said, <laughs> like I said, with that technology there, I mean, I, I understand like your, your thought of the Tesla, you know, um, it's, it's a cost point. And, and so I think that it, it'll be interesting to actually see it in person. Yeah. Um, you know, not and you do video. have to feel it. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is you have to feel it to believe it, not to see it to believe You have to feel it to believe sure. it. Um, and I would also say, I think a lot of times we get compared to other devices that just do one thing versus sure. the idea that our device also does the contrast and the thermal therapy. So I think right. that's an important piece. Um, and, and one of the reasons why a uh, price point is there. I would also say, if you look at any price point in the magazine, you're like, wait, what? Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You can tell them you get a discount of Val 20. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> my, in, my influencer status, I can get you a discount. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and I'll tell you, you know, the other thing, and, and Jeremy, future, future talk and podcasts, we're actually finishing up a study right now with the Corey Stringer Institute um, using our technology in a very different way. Um, and especially for Texas high schools, I'm super, super excited about it. Obviously, if you're studying with Corey Stringer, uh, we're looking at heat illness mitigation. I'll throw that out there. No, that is not a shock to anyone, but I'm super <laughs> pumped because now we're looking at the idea of it being a technology that can be integrated. Again, not your point, not just another device that does this thing. So we're on like mile marker two of a very long marathon. And that's what I'm really pumped about is, is how we can change this technology. Um, and one other side note, uh, we are software-based. So when we do have changes to the device, like we get feedback from clinicians or we wanna expand something or add something uh, in the future, we're gonna add intermittent compression. That's a software update, not a new device. So that is one of those things that I feel like adds a little bit to the value prop is that once you invest in this piece, you'll be able to update it like you do your phone or, or other things um, to really ensure that it's keeping up with the times and keeping up with the demands of what a clinician needs. Every, awesome. Awesome. every time I update my phone, it seems to get slower and slower. So I'm not sure I like that, Val. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, are... okay, but you have an Android. So that's nope, right. nope, 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 so... nope. The school switched me to iPhone last year. Oh, yeah, so. oh okay. 
All right. So, Mike, I know you said you got to go at 9.15. It's just yeah, I after. One, I, I got one more question, okay. and then I'm going to I'm gonna run to class. Um, we're gonna move, moving away from the Kelby. Val, and going back to your, your uh, talk the other day, um, because, you know, I was nerding out and did two or three CEUs over the weekend, uh, getting a head start on 2023. So uh, one of the things you talked about was um, – with, with the recovery and kind of that point system. Um, and I, you know, and I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it, but also just talk about that and how can we implement that at the high school level maybe? Yeah, I love that. Well, thanks for bringing that up. So that point system is actually from one of my colleagues, uh, Jason Manikowski, who is um, an NBA strength and conditioning coach. Uh, and he and I worked together at TCU. And um, that's something he shared with me. Um, I did a little bit of a different system. Um, but that that worked for what I was doing. Um, what he basically said is based on your um, activity, again, they're reading it usually with a polar or some sure. other sort um, of, of metric, is here are the number of points you need to get based on how much work output you have. And here are the ways you can earn those points. So thinking about you know, a high school football team, thinking about a high school basketball team, thinking about the number, there's a ton, right? Yeah. So um, we actually did a little bit of a different system uh, with my with women's basketball at, at TCU and a different strength coach where we looked at playing time. And if you were above this mark, you were in this category. If you were below this mark, this category. So is it something that you can get from coaches with the number of plays or the good old fashioned eye test? You know, the, the linebacker that's also playing running back that's also on special teams, you know he's tired. Um, right. So can you assign him a higher point than um, maybe your deep snapper and your punter and some of the guys that were only out there for a certain number of plays? Basketball, obviously time played, really easy to go down the stat sheet and see that. So could you assign points on that? And then you're assigning values. Um, so getting more than seven hours of sleep, right? Now going back to giving value to the idea of sleep hydration and nutrition, you're showing that you get more points for that because it matters that much. Whereas coming in and foam rolling may only be a point. Well, if you need to get 10 points, more efficient yeah, way, way to get to there is with some sleep, right? So I think you can integrate it um, on a larger scale. It may not be as personalized, but you could definitely put that out there. I think coach investment's really important on that as well. Um, but would love to talk through that, you know, more with you in person too, and, and kind of give you some of those nuances based on what's available. Um, you know, eating your post-game meal can be a point. Yeah. Right. Like, no, it yeah. sounds so silly, but encouraging those behaviors, right? The, the carrot versus the stick, encouraging the positive behaviors. Um, they're still going to go eat stuff out of a brown bag and they're still going to stay on their video games really late into the night. But what if we can get them to actually drink some water without something else in it? What if we can actually get them um, to drink a chocolate milk or or something else that that shows some value and some investment into that recovery? No, I think that's awesome. You know, we uh, we are looking at. I know some, there's some schools doing. I know Scott Galloway's using a system mm -hmm. out at out at Brewer. Um, and we we looked at Catapult, and we have a we have a strength conditioning coach here uh, came down from Power Five school. And, you know, so he's, he knows catapult, he knows all this technology. And, and he said catapult's way too much for what we would need anyway mm -hmm. at the high school level. Um, but we're looking at, uh, for football, they're looking at possibly getting the stat sports units. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which, which again, technology, and I think that's that's an awesome thing for us to, to dig into. 
Um, you know, I've said, I've told people before, most of this is going to run through football first and then expand to everything else, right. you know, and that's just reality, right. especially, especially in a Texas high school. That's reality. Um, you know, if you can show it, and I, I've said that with our strength coach, that we've got to build the strength program here and then it, it will expand itself out. Absolutely. Um, so, and, and, but, and Mike, I would even say one of the really cool things about using technology in that way is that actually helps those athletes learn those things, right? It was mind blowing to some of my students. They thought they worked so hard and then they looked at their numbers and they're like, what? I, I, we're like, no, baby, you, <laughs> <laughs> we sitting here could tell you could. And it was really eye opening for them to look at numbers on days they thought they went hard and then realizing that some other days where maybe they were in like the, or what? was the orange zone was actually more draining for them than when they went really hard into the red and then recovered quickly. So it helps show them go hard, you know, encourage your recovery time, go hard, encourage your, and they realized they felt less drained after those events than they did when they were just kind of in that medium range and just really draining. So it was a lot of education that came out of that as well, as much as the tracking and trending for us on the staff side. Sure. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Val. Uh, thanks, Jeremy. I'm going to run. I got to go teach. I got to figure out what I'm teaching in the next uh, six and a half minutes uh, while I walk to the end of the campus. But Recovery. You guys have a great <laughs> Just watch this video. Actually, we, uh, yeah. we were talking about heat illnesses, so I'm probably getting ready to show a video on heat illnesses. So, Corey Stringer, once again. There we so, go. There we you go. You guys have a great one. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, so Val, I know we've talked about Kelvy. Mike mentioned the price point is pretty high. And so uh, ballpark, average, the average person that's buying Kelvy, what are we realistically looking at? Yeah, so we'll go, we'll, we'll go with that list price. We'll just go ahead and throw that out there since he brought that up. List price um, for, the, for the console is just under 7,000, and then our wraps are just over 1,000 each. Um, just like anything, I don't know the last time, you know, except for like government contracts where you have to pay uh, a certain price. Um, we're, we're looking at packages, we look at discounts, um, people who are purchasing multiple, we're really willing to work with our customers. We're a small business. Um, we have less than 15 employees, including our production staff and our warehouse staff. Um, so when you're talking to me or another rep, I'm, I'm going straight to our CEO um, when we're having these conversations. So. Um, we have a negotiated price for colleges and universities to utilize secondary insurance. Um, and then we also have some different rates for rentals. Um, so post-op, we've uh, started having a, a better uptick um, in utilizing that, starting to launch here in the DFW area um, for, for post-op rental capability, hopefully getting down to Houston too. I'm a Houston girl, so uh, getting down to Houston um, here soon, um, working with some different distributors and DME groups uh, for that. Um, and then again, like the refurb package uh, for the high schools, definitely something we're working on. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be real, real transparent and honest. The pandemic was really hard, uh, especially on a small business and especially on a technology company, uh, dealing with, uh, with just all the different nuances of everything that happened. So right now we're kind of going through a time where we're, we're doing a little strategic planning for what things are going to look like, especially with some of our new products, some of our upgrades. Um, we're going to have a battery pack and some other things that really change um, how our product can be used. So we're currently taking some feedback and kind of doing some market research um, so that really for 
um, July, August of this coming school year. So kind of the kickoff of this next school year, we'll have some different pricing options and some different things um, available. So what we're really trying to do right now is get out the news and the idea of the technology in preparation for that. You mentioned to really understand and to see it, you need to feel it. And I did in Orlando and it was really cool to like go, it just went from cold to hot, just like you said, in like 15 seconds. And you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing. So obviously 15 employees, you can't canvas the country with, you know, all right, well, hey, everybody come, let me come to every single high school. So right. if somebody realistically wants to see, feel, experience Kelby, what's going to be the best way for them to do that? Well, luckily, because I am here in Texas, um, I actually, even I'm the clinical product manager, um, Texas is, is my state um, and my, uh, I guess we'll call it my territory. Um, so happy to come visit, but also we're going to be at a lot of trade shows. Um, and I really do think um, kind of putting my, my athletic trainer clinician hat back on, um, that's a great time. And I don't know if we always take advantage of the exhibit hall to the best of our abilities. Um, I think a lot of times we're so busy networking and, and catching up with friends that we don't always walk around. And, you know, I try really hard to tell our sales guys, like dial down the salesiness. <laughs> find out more about these athletic trainers, ask them questions. Um, but don't be afraid to go into a booth and try something. You're not going to know how something works or how something feels unless you try it. So uh, Kelby will be at SWATA uh, this summer. I will be at NATA uh, this summer. I'm going to be at a lot of the regional um, conventions um, in other parts of, of the country. Um, more than happy, please reach out to me. You never know, we might be in the area and we'd be more than happy to stop by. My favorite thing, I was just at a high school yesterday and I love coming into the high school and you know, seeing what's happening and seeing those kids getting treated and um, watching the athletic trainers work, it, it brings me so much joy um, to, to do that. So we're more than happy to come to you. Um, or again, we'll be at trade shows and, and be happy to show you um, the device and, and let you feel it and put it on. Uh, and Jeremy, to your point, what you felt is probably very different than what it is now. I think we've had, since I started with the company two years ago, I think we've had five or six software updates and even our temperature change, ha temperature range has changed. Um, we now go from 39 to 108 with seven preset contrast settings on the device. So it is, the interface looks completely different, um, even our error codes. So it's so simple, but it, I was very passionate about this that we could not just like display a number. We had to tell you what was wrong and how to fix it. So if you're not connected correctly, it'll pop up with an error that says, please connect correctly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right? Like it sounds so simple, but you're like, what is, you know, E5? I don't know what E5 is. So the fact that we, we made an upgrade on our software to show you what the error actually is and how to fix it. That's awesome. And again, like I said, I, I experienced it a long time ago and, and, you know, it will be pretty cool to, to see you out and about. Now, Valerie, I know that you said you don't check your like Facebook or, or Twitter direct messages very often. So if somebody wants to get a <laughs> hold of you, they want to reach out, maybe they want to sample it or ask you some more questions about either the recovery or Kelvy. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. So best way is email, uh, which is V Hairston, uh, which I know you'll have in the, in the notes, uh, V Hairston at Kelvy.com is the, the best way to get a hold of me because that's what comes to my phone and to my watch. Uh, so I can actually see it when I'm when I'm out and about. Um, I am trying to get better on the social media stuff. I think I had like a block after working with college students. I, I think I had like 
PTSD of too much social media. Um, so I'm getting better about actually checking those and trying to look at those at least once a week. But uh, if I don't get back to you on social media, please reach out uh, via email. Um, and then once we get connected, we can text, we can call, we can do all those things. Um, I'm still very much an athletic trainer. I'm still very much just Val. Um, so please reach out as such. Um, you know, let me know your schedule. Let me know what's going on. Let me know where you're going to be. And then we can connect and hang out. Very cool. So Valerie's maiden name is Tinklepaw. So if you see Valerie Tinklepaw Hairston, that that's still her. Um, and so if you see that on social media, again, like she said, she's not super active on there, but you can still reach out. And, you know, as long as it's not urgent, she can get back to you there. But again, it's V-H-A-I-R, like hair, and then S-T-O-N, Hairston at Kelby.com is her email. Hit her up, even if it's just a, hey, let's have a quick, quick chat with our AD or whatever. Um you know, she, she can jump on Zoom from her hotel room, whatever it is. <laughs> All right. So reach out and, to Val. And Jeremy, to, I was going to say, Jeremy, at that point, I think it's really just um, my heart is still in athletic training. And I just love and respect what athletic trainers do. Like I said, I'm married to an athletic trainer. I still hold my credentials. I still teach in the athletic training program at TCU. I still do PRN work. Um, and so please know that that I just love and respect um, what each of y'all are doing out there, just taking care of athletes. So um I honor and respect your time as well. Um, so reach out with anything or any way that I can help assist, advocate, whatever it might be. So one of my partners, I know we're talking about Kelvy is 24 hour rated. The Mark Pro is actually also something you can use for an extended period of time post-surgery or injury. You know, we're talking about the quad contusion. There's a lower entry point um, to purchase and that kind of thing, but each of them has their own tool. So if you want to get the Mark Pro, you can use the SMB and it'll get you a little bit of a discount. It also like helps. I think if we get one more purchase through that code, then they'll send one free to the school or something like that. So it's pretty cool. Uh, uh, yes, love, love Mark Pro. Use that a lot. In fact, had that in my presentation of another tool that I use in recovery. Love the Mark Pro. Gary Rinal and I have actually had some conversations about how we could use a contrast and Mark Pro in tandem. All right. Well, if I have an extra that. four hours, then I would have you both on and you could talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a marathon event. With the <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E. And that'll have links and, uh, you know, kind of the breakdown of the conversation. So check that out for Jeremy, Mike Hopper up at Bishop Lynch, who's looking at possibly purchasing the Kelby for the high school secondary setting and the sports medicine broadcast. That is a wrap. Thanks. That was my first podcast. <laughs> really?